Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle Guerra. Marler, I know you tell yourself this every day. But be thankful that you're not a Big Ten fan. Just be thankful. Are there like fans it is of just the Big Ten? There's a few. There are a few. Believe me. I, in, in this job, I have come across them. I've come across Very them. Very odd to me. What happened with the Big Ten today, trust me, I'm, we're not going to spend 20 minutes talking about it, but in case you haven't seen it, the Big Ten basically decided that it was going to adjust the rules that it put in place to make sure that Ohio State can play for a conference championship. Um, nothing is set in stone in 2020, so I guess it shouldn't come as much of a surprise that the Big Ten did something that it didn't need to do, and now it faces the public wrath of bending the rules just to appease Ohio State when Ohio and State was still going to get a game... Yeah, Ohio State was still going to get a game on December 19th against a quality opponent. It wasn't like it was just going to be sitting at home idle without a game to play. So weird, weird move all around. But again, if you're an SEC fan listening to this, which I'm assuming that's 99.9% of you, be thankful that you aren't a Big Ten fan. I I disagree. I disagree completely because what we're going to end up seeing here is the Big Ten getting, like, taking advantage of whatever situation they can to get their best team in, in a year where they have been indignant, they have been they like like absolutely miserable from a leadership standpoint, like refuse, just absolutely refusing to to work together with any of the other conferences, and 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 go along with stuff that other conferences are doing, and then try to make them look bad when they were doing it at the start of the year, like went out of their way to make a point, like well we're not we're not doing this because of player safety, blah blah blah, and now you find yourself in this different situation, and they're still going to get a team in. It's a joke. The funny thing is, though, it doesn't matter. The Big Ten Championship doesn't matter. Three of the last four teams who have won the Big Ten Championship haven't made it into the playoff. Okay. They still think the Big Ten Championship matters. Oh. It doesn't. Like it's just about playing. Yes, in, in general, it just does not matter. People are going to say, like, oh, you're an Indiana grad. You're just upset that Indiana's not in. Indiana that. doesn't deserve to make it into the... Yeah, I already got that on Twitter. Indiana doesn't deserve to make it into the Big Ten Championship. I'm not saying that. This isn't going to be an entire thing about the Big Ten. I, I realize that. Indiana would have only gotten in out of technicality. Putting Ohio State in because you're like, oh, crap, at the last second we realized that that Ohio State getting into the Big Ten Championship would somehow give Ohio State a better path to the playoff is dumb because, like, look at what the suction committee has done by ranking Ohio State ahead yeah. of Texas A&M. It's just about playing more games. Texas A&M plays Tennessee in the last weekend of the season. What's Texas A&M going to do, create a game out of thin air? No, they've already said they're not willing to do that. The Texas A&M-Ohio State thing, it wasn't going to happen. Ohio State has no incentive to do that because why do they need to all of a sudden appease Texas A&M when they're yep. being ranked ahead of them? And, oh, by the way, Ohio State can't even do that because the Big Ten already came out and said, Nebraska, you will not schedule a game outside of the Big Ten. How dare you? This accent you're doing. So it's not happening. I don't know. It's that's my Kevin Warren accent. Okay. Does that work? It's not, I, yeah. I don't think it sounds anything like it. But yes. Um, you know, my I, I think there's been some things that have been lost in this whole argument because I've gone on all these rants about Ohio State and, and the Big Ten and how much I, I dislike the Big Ten. My my issue with them being ranked at four has nothing to do with how many games they played. You could play, like, if they played more games, the resume would look better for sure. I don't give a that they haven't played like the same amount of games as every other team. I don't I don't think that their resume in those games they played has been good. It, it, like it's it's how they've looked in those games. It's who they've beaten in those games. It, like we, we walk away and I'm gonna call you out on this too to be honest. You said after week three, Justin Fields is putting balls in it's it's unlike anything. It's video game. And we see it to that point. To that right. Point. And I was like, Connor, it's been two or three games, right? Like it's it's like I know. And I know. so it's one of those things where 
you know, going into the season, like Indiana has this huge upset in top 10 uh, Penn State, which is still a big win. The next week, prime time, Ohio State goes on the road, gets this big signature victory over a team that's two and six. And like, when you talk about how great they are, they pass the eye test, they've put up a, a lot of points. They put up a lot of points. They, they've done everything that offense has done for the last half decade, right? Like it's the same old Ohio State. I'm not seeing what they should, that they're automatically passing the eye test because the defense is trash. The, this, the pass defense especially is trash. But the fact that they're putting up these numbers in the people they're playing, if this was happening in the SEC, the entire collective country would lose their minds. Oh, and so, exactly. And, like, and this yeah, is what, exactly. like, and hear me out on this too, because it's not just they haven't played enough games. Here's the competition they've played in the games they've actually played. They have one win against Indiana, right, against a, a ranked opponent. It's powerhouse. A powerhouse, yes. really good, really good team. They were in the top Dynasty 10 in the making. They're, they're top 25 now, so they don't have a top 10 win on their resume for current uh, top 10 teams. Regardless, they have that win. Every other team on their schedule, every other team has won two Good. games. So to put that in perspective, that would be like if Alabama or Florida or Georgia, or not Georgia, but if Alabama or Florida or A&M had played five games, half of everyone else had like two weeks off in between each of them, which I would love to have that kind of rest, and then played South Carolina, Tennessee, and Mississippi State, because those are the three schools in the SEC that have two wins. Would we be impressed by that? No, not at all. Ooh. Ooh. We have more thoughts on AM. We have more thoughts on the playoff. We have thoughts on all of the games that are being played in this. I, we're going to call it week 12 because that's how long the SEC has been in action this this year. Uh, of a very weird slate that yeah. isn't particularly good, but it is a slate nonetheless, and we will not complain, even though it doesn't have that Ole Miss AM game that I was super excited about. Yeah. Super excited about. But that's not going to happen. We just recorded an interview with Matt Hayes. I love bringing Matt on because Matt is one of these guys who actually talks to coaches and he can, you know, he can text Will Muschamp on a given Tuesday and, and ask him random things like that. So I we have great, great stuff that's coming. We have fourth and wrong coming at, at the end. Marler, I don't know how many times we've gotten a curse word before the ad read. I hate them. I, I, <laughs> uh, I am addicted to Texas Pete Wing Sauce. I am officially Ooh. addicted. Like it, it's to the point now where I try and do it. I'm not. I'm not taking this as, as some picture as a foodie or anything yeah. like that. But I do the sauce drizzle just to make it look good for myself. I I try it because I feel like it's so it's delicate and it's something that I want to make sure I'm not just like slopping all over yeah. like a pig person. Mm. And I want to make sure that it looks good right before I douse it all over Instagram all my chicken and my peppers. I, I don't Instagram all of my food. I Instagram a very small portion of my food. I post like once a month on Instagram. I'm not a very I, I I'm not a very frequent I would love Instagram to see, poster. I might pull it up as we're talking because I would love to see the the like percentages and the ratio of how many posts are about food. Oh yeah, yeah no, 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 a good amount. Yeah. But I'm saying like I think I only post once a month. That's fair. So I, I'm not an every meal type of guy. I'm not even a big story guy. I, I do a story like once a good every story. four months. I'm yeah. a big story guy. So, um, Texas Pete, talk about it. I, well, so I don't drizzle anything <laughs> in my life, Connor. Um, that's not the American way. That's not what Texas Pete was made for. Texas Pete was was made for drowning, not sorrows, but drowning chicken, turkey, greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, all of it, guys. Really, really good it. with peppers, too. Peppers, too. That's That's been the new thing that I've been doing. Like green chopped up green peppers yeah. that you would have like on a veggie tray. I put Texas Pete wing sauce 
all over it. Delicious. Okay. There you go. So try out all those things and more. It's Christmas season. Uh, like I said, they make great stocking stuffers. Um, you can do a lot of stuff with it. You could stuff it in your turkey like I did a couple weeks ago. Um, Violated. Yeah, true. You could use it as a wiffle ball bat if you guys don't have like a, a, a bat laying around. It's a lot of different uses for Texas Pete. Um, we actually put it at the top of our tree. So that was pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, which it's, it's not very stable. I, it's, it's dropped several times. We've had to get a new bottle. But um, I'm always happy to buy more Texas Pete. So go out to your local grocer, whether it's a Piggly Wiggly, an Ingles, a Publix, a, I don't know, whatever. Go get yourself some Texas Pete today. You see what Piggly Wiggly is doing with those like steak, beer, steak oh, and beer Alabama. combos? Yeah. It's pretty cool. I was That's about to tell you cool. that I don't Respect keep up with Piggly Wiggly's uh, latest news, but then I definitely did see that. That was pretty, pretty smart. No, I don't. Same Two thing. tall same boys, thing. too. Yeah. Uh, love me a good tall boy. Love me a good PBR tall boy. No free ads, but there you go. if they ever want to give us a call, hook <laughs> us up. Texas A&M has a little bit of a mess on its hands. A little bit of a mess. You get the game against Ole Miss canceled, and then... Ohio State gets the game against Michigan canceled because of Michigan's COVID-related issues. I don't want to go down that road about Michigan ducking them or anything like that because eh, that's been already fleshed out. Nobody really cares about that on this podcast. Everybody then throws that matchup out there. As I said, can't happen because Ohio State is already, even if it wanted for some odd reason to make it happen, the Big Ten has already said, hey, you can't have any of these out-of-conference games. Everything is in-house this year. So... Also, by the way, no incentive. No incentive at all. Um, Buckeyes' only way of missing the playoff is another canceled game on their part, or if Florida beats Bama and both ACC teams get in. Like, that's the only way, right. I think, at this point, outside of a loss, obviously. I'm not I'm not an idiot. The problem for A&M is obvious. A&M is going to end the season with nine games. Oh, nine? That's last it? game. Oh, that's not enough, huh? Uh, six compared to nine. Here it is. Two there it together. is. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, A&M's last game being against Tennessee. Not going to impress anyone. Ohio State's last game is going to be against Northwestern now, which Northwestern, um, Iowa, Indiana, they're all the same. They're right. all in that same department, which is, again, why I keep saying that it didn't matter that like the Big Ten didn't have to take make that right. exception and all of a sudden allow Ohio State into that game. They're going to play a decent team no matter Nobody's what. Nobody's going to watch they're that gonna game play a better and be like, team oh, my God, they beat Northwestern. Yeah, they should definitely get yeah. in. No, nobody's going to say that. So the question becomes, what is Texas A&M's playoff path? It's pretty simple still, in my opinion. No two-team conference bids. That, that's yeah. the scenario that A&M must, must avoid. Unless, of course, it's the SEC and it's A&M and Alabama. Right. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Alabama beats Florida. That's it. The field in that scenario Strange. is Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Texas A&M. Now, would they want to have A&M and Bama play in a rematch? Uh, they could They could technically move A&M up to that three spot and Ohio State to the four if they really wanted to, even though I don't know that they would do that. But that that's the path. Either that or Clemson blows out Notre Dame by 30. Why 30, you ask? Because A&M lost to Bama yeah. by, 20, by 28 in Tuscaloosa. So that's kind of where I think A&M is at right now. And it's... If you're holding on to hope that AM is going to hurdle Ohio State, stop. It's not It's not happening. I realized that last election shows. Well, but, the, but here's the thing, Connor. It's like, you know, there's what drives me more crazy than anything in, in this world. Like, like literally, like, like my biggest pet peeve, besides people that drink Gatorade and think it's healthy, like just like just because they think it's healthy, like you like in high school and stuff. Anyway. No sugar in Gatorade. Yeah, at all. It's actually 11 times worse for your teeth enamel than uh, soda. 
Fun fact. I can believe that. Yeah. I can believe that. Um, I'm going to put that on a graphic later. It'll say 10 instead of 11 because I'll have a typo. But regardless, so this this whole thing, I, I realized last night it's not going to happen. It's just not. And, and But what, what yeah. my biggest pet peeve like in the world is, is when somebody tells me something and they know it's not true and I know it's not true and there's a different reason and I'm like, all right, but seriously, the reason is this. Like, like, like reality is this. The fact is this. The truth is this. And they sit yep. there and deny it the whole time. And I'm not trying to call out anyone here. I had a very hard time dealing with the Cam Newton thing in, tw- in 2010. I know all teams dabble with stuff like that, and, and but I had a very hard time dealing with anybody who was like, no, we didn't. He just wanted to come to Auburn. Because it's like, that's inherently not true. And also, the committee coming on last night, I'm sorry that was a bad example. I just, that's that was my least, that was my most unhinged Yeah, I was moment. wondering how that was going to fit because into Because like, this, that's this always my biggest pet peeve, and I was like completely off the walls that year, and I was, I was miserable to be around for no reason. It was, it was really sad and pathetic, to be honest. Anyway, this whole thing with Ohio State and the committee, they tell us each and every week, like, well, you know, like, like the wins matter. The resume matters. Like, you got to have this many wins. You got to have this many games. You know, we want to make sure you're, you look good against power five opponents, blah, blah, blah. And then it moves. The goalpost moves every single week. And, and they actually said last night on the, on the show, well, we got to see Ohio State play an extra game last, last uh, week, which, and they looked really good. And he brought up Justin Fields' stats. What did I tell you last week? That, that the biggest thing I thought the committee, they were going to be like fans – and they were going to be attracted to like the bright lights and, and like you know high scoring offense and, and good quarterback play, and yep. it's for whatever reason I think we're looking at a Texas A&M team that is a really good football team. They're dead set on putting Ohio State in because they're dead set on putting Ohio State in, and I don't think Feinbaum was that far off when he said that there might have been like something before the season even started. Like if the, the national championship wouldn't have been legitimate without all five power conferences at least playing, and. If there, he wonders if there was like some sort of tie-in that has like on the back end, like because Ohio State was everyone thought they were going to get there anyway, and I just I just think that at this point, A and M's not going to get in over Ohio State based off merit, and like there are numbers that support A and M, you know that that make them look worse on paper, I guess, than Ohio State. And like I said last week, I don't know if I would bet on them to beat Ohio State, but I think they deserve to get there because they've played the whole season and they've looked really good at times, and their their resume like proves it. And the fact that David Pollock, real quick, brought this up last night. This is my least favorite part of the entire entire episode. A&M's not that good of a football team. I can't get over what happened with Vandy in week one. I, you know, you look at that game they had against LSU two weeks ago, and, you know, I just I, I don't know if they're that good of a football team as that offense. They just went on the road. Their quarterback went 18 of 23. They beat a, a, a team with a power five team with a winning record by, by double digits on the road. And we talk about Ohio State going to play Michigan State and how impressive they were by playing two and three Michigan State with two weeks of effing rest. It's a joke. The reason that the selection committee can justify this, and I'm not saying this is right, I'm saying from their standpoint why they can justify it, is because AM only has one more victory against a Power Five team with a winning record. Yeah, that's, than Ohio that's State. the worst one. That's part of it. AM has only won games against Power 5 teams by an average of 9.3 points. Yep. Ohio State is at 23.4. Yes, you would expect that to be a little bit more favorable for Ohio State because they've played less teams. But the reality is, if you've had only two more wins, Power 5 wins, against than compared to Ohio State, which that's the case for AM, and they have that loss, that loss exists, that's part of it. And so that's why they're going to continue to justify this. If they had the same record, Obviously, I think this is a much different discussion. I'm not saying yeah. this is right. I wouldn't have a problem with AM making the field ahead of Ohio State at all. I think there's something to be said for it. But I also think, you know, I broke this down 
in terms of, I try to answer the question, who do I think is better between Texas A&M and Ohio State? Sometimes that's all they want to talk about on these selection shows. Mm -hmm. Like David Pollack always thinks he has the answer to that question, which pisses me off because he doesn't. Because if you had the answer to that question, then you would be a millionaire. You'd be a billionaire. You'd, You'd take Vegas out for every penny that it has, yep. and you would win every single every single bet ever, but we're constantly learning more about these teams. And while I think Ohio State is ultimately the better team, and if you were to match them up side by side, Ohio State actually matches up really, really well to beat a team like Texas A&M. If you think about where would you beat Ohio State? You throw it to the back end. You try and get those deep downfield passes. What does A&M not do as much? Those downfield passes. They're going to beat you with the ground game. A&M would be able to score. But then what would Ohio State do to Texas A&M? They would throw the ball downfield. They would attack that A&M secondary, which didn't look very good against Alabama. It didn't look very good against Florida. There were moments where it didn't look very good against Arkansas. So that's all kind of irrelevant, though. It really kind of is. The the sample size that you just brought up, and the, yeah. and the teams you brought it up against, like like we're, we are chastising them for a 28-point loss to the team that has done that to every single team in the country for the last decade. A&M is the better resume right it's, now. It's re- in my opinion, they do, and but they're not getting that crazy. Credit. The committee can't just admit yeah. that and say, hey, we think Ohio State's a better team. That's it. Just And then say it. Just say Ohio State's a better team. Here's why. And don't say... Look how impressive they were against Michigan State and have other people at ESPN talk about how this is the most important game of Justin Fields' career. That's a joke. I went back and I looked at every quarterback who's played for a national championship during the playoff era. Marcus Mariota, Cardell Jones, Deshaun Watson twice, Jake Coker. Don't make your Jake Coker jokes. He played the best two games of his life in those last two games with Lane Kiffin calling plays. Who's making those? I'm just saying people who are listening to this, people who are listening to this are making their Jake Coker jokes. I know it. Jalen Hurts played in two. Tua played in two if you want to count the second half of the 2017 title game. Jake Fromm played in one. Trevor Lawrence played in two. Joe Burrow played in one. Calamon going to get part of that group? No. I mean... No, and that's and that's part of it from why the selection committee is going to justify it. You, you, the point you just brought up is an important one. And I'm confused. When they talk about when they talk about Ohio State, when they talk about Ohio State, and they say what happened in their game last week, they cite Justin Fields putting up all these numbers and doing all these things. Like, oh yeah, Justin Fields looked really good. That's the first thing they're going to come right. out and say. The selection committee cares about that stuff. They absolutely care about having these big, you know, marquee quarterbacks, quarterbacks that are actually going to be capable of winning you those types of games. And if you're going to pass their eye test, which that's what this has become, their eye test, then that is a big part of it in 2020. So the tell last me, thing they want is these Justin blowouts. Fields has won. Tell, tell, me, tell me the impressive win that Justin Fields has had as the quarterback at Ohio State. Because I, I look at a Big Ten conference that from top to bottom, year in and year out, especially last year, is garbage. And, and there are some great stories, man. There's some great stories like, you know, there's the Minnesota last year, Indiana this year. Conveniently enough, they missed Minnesota last year. Justin Fields' best win is an almost is, is an almost win. Yeah, his best yep. win is the fact that he was robbed against Clemson. And you know what? It's a hundred. So was Kellen Mons. Oh, an almost. Yeah. God. Oh, they have a lot in common. See, Ohio State. Um, I got to write that down. Would say, was... uh, verbal meme: Kellen Mond shaking hands with Justin Fields. Best. Best. I mean. Best win and almost lost to Clemson. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, it's. I mean, he had over 420. I think he had 428 yards passing. Like, uh, it. But that. That's what I'm trying to say. That. Like, that's what I've been screaming for so long. Is it's like, you're just you're infatuated with him because everyone's saying how good and he's a great quarterback. Yeah. That team. They're ranked 106th in pass defense, Connor. Whew, gosh, Bama would throw for 500. Well, they them. already did that against A&M, so we don't want to see that again. 
Okay, true. All right, we're going to have plenty of time to discuss more playoff rankings and stuff like that. I, I promise we will. Let's get to some picks and some over-unders for uh, an interesting slate in the SEC. Not a slate that has a, a ton of very close lines. Yeah. Not, not a lot of big marquee type of games, but a slate nonetheless. Let's start with LSU in Florida, a game that would normally be a big marquee game. In a usual year, it is not. Florida's a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. I guessed 17-and-a-half. You guessed 23 and a half? Boom. How'd you guess that? Because they just put Bama as the same. Like, that's what Bama opened up as, but they were one point higher. All right, fair enough. You were paying attention. I wasn't. The over-under I have is mentions of Trask versus Burrow. I set the over-under at four. Oh, yeah. Well, well, again, they're not going to be able to talk about the game, so. True, yeah, true, exactly. A lot of those side-by-side graphics yeah. that you did like eight weeks ago or something like that. Trask, his 15-game pace, and maybe this will get brought up on the broadcast. The side-by-side with Burrow. 15-game pace, 63 touchdown passes, 5,405 passing yards, 10.1 yards per attempt, 71% passing. Joe Burrow, 15 games last year, 60 touchdown passes, 5,671 passing yards, 10.8 yards per attempt, 76% passing. Kyle Trask is only going to get 12 games. He's still likely going to pass Drew Locke and finish second in single-season passing touchdowns in SEC history, which is just remarkable. I thought Trask, we've talked about this a little bit before, and we talked about this with Hester too. Trask in this game last year was the moment that I kind of realized, this guy's even better than I thought. I I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was going to be able to do some good things. This was the game where I realized, no, no, this guy's kind of different. You don't walk into that atmosphere and have that type of performance when your counterpart is Joe Burrow playing at that level and not turn some heads. Yeah, had a lead in that game. Anyway. He was really, really good. Yeah. Um, it was kind of, in a way, that game for Kyle Trask is a little bit reminiscent of, like, Mac Jones at Auburn, where there was that one big mistake that he made in that game where he throws the interception in yeah. the end zone. And it kind of it, it, it gets kind of overshadowed because, ultimately, he's the team who lost on the road. And instead, we're talking about how great the team right. who won is and what, what a miraculous job that they just did. But... You know, that was the first time that I said Mac Jones is legit as well. Mm-hmm. And I came away really impressed despite the two pick sixes that he have. Kyle Trask, same thing with LSU. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, maybe what I'll start doing, because I know people um, on Twitter do this, is like they'll bookmark all of your, your takes that were wrong and then come back to revisit them. Um, I'm going to go back, like, maybe like during like the off week uh, or maybe, maybe some downtime on Friday and look up all the people that said I was an idiot for thinking Mac Jones was the second best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, that being said, I think you're spot on about everything with Kyle Trask. Last year was like his breakout moment, even though it wasn't like like the moment because um, they didn't win, obviously. They obviously, I think, are going to win this week. The bigger question for me is what's going on at LSU? And <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Like the Eric Gilbert thing, I, a freshman at college being homesick, I totally understand. I think it's going to get blown out of proportion from like – you know, people overreacting to, is this a sign of, like, the, the program falling apart, which I, I don't think that necessarily is. Um, but, yeah, this, uh, just a tough, tough couple of weeks and month or entire season for LSU. You've got to be happy to get to the finish line here. I'm not going to call out a college kid for saying that he's homesick yeah. or anything like that. But it's still weird to hear a college yes. kid talk about his body aching. Oh, I didn't hear about that. And... Yeah, like saying he's homesick and saying that his body is aching and those things, it sounds like he's looking for any way to get out of LSU. Yeah. 
It sounds like it. And you know what? You should have the freedom to be able to do that. It's your career. It's your life. Again, do, do what you're going to do. Still not a good sign for LSU. If you saw the reaction of when this first came out, and he has now since opted out, by the way. Um, what? LSU, yeah, he has since opted out, and LSU is hoping like hell that he's able to stay in Baton Rouge. Uh, if he opted out, I'm those assuming that's not going to happen. <laughs> I would assume so yeah. as well, but that has not been made officially yet. They're still having those conversations. Georgia fans are like, I'm going to make a reference you're not going to like. Georgia fans are like my cat. Yeah, Rudy. Oh, Rudy's Rudy's a boss. They're like Rudy when we go near our sliding door in the back. Yeah. His ears perk up. It doesn't matter if Rudy is in a coma. And by the way, don't make some like Notre Dame thing. This isn't that. It's just we've oh, always no, cats are worse than Rudy Notre Dame, in general. Yeah, um, he's, he's got a good Irish name. It's Rudy O'Gara. Uh, anyways, but Rudy's ears always perk up. And he can be in a coma. It doesn't matter. And he's ready to go outside. That's how I feel like Georgia fans were when they saw Eric Gilbert. Dude. Oh, homesick? Thinking about transferring? Wait yeah, a minute. Come on Five back. Star? Go to Georgia Tech. Oh, you see what they're doing with that program right now? Oh, I don't know if that happens. But I, I will say, yeah, it makes – I think Georgia fans, obviously, um, <clears throat> they should be excited because it, it's a logical – Destination because he's from Marietta and, and is a phenomenal talent and was recruited by Kirsten a five star and, human being. Yeah, so all those things. I, I will say, if you already got a six eight like freak tight end on the roster, I don't know what you're going to do with two of them. But get them both. I mean, maybe put one of them at quarterback because we've seen him just like stockpile the roster at other positions as well. I mean, you're not like it would be a great addition. Just there's just no ifs ands or buts about it. Me personally, I would love to see what it would look like if he went to Georgia Tech just because. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Kirby, of course, LSU fans are going to throw out the accusations like tampering and stuff like that. I think the kid's in a situation, he's obviously unhappy, let him go where he wants. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he ends up there. Getting back to the game, I don't think any of it matters either way. I would take, I'm surprised the line hasn't gone up with, with everything. It's a big like, line. It, it's hard to stay in the news throughout the week, and you know if you do, it's not a good thing. If you just got beat by 38, at, you know, at home to Bama, like, so... Yeah, I think Florida covers. I think Florida wins big, and it's another Kyle Trask MVP game. I think Florida covers 23.5 as well. The only question I have, and it's the same thing we'll bring up with Bama against Arkansas. Florida's already got that SEC division title, the, the East division yeah. title clinched. You know, next week, you don't want to get anybody hurt. If you're up, you know, three, four touchdowns. Florida actually hasn't really put together a complete game this year. Which is a strange thing to say about a team that's, I mean, well, I mean think about it. Georgia, well, I guess they can't put their foot off the gas. And Started off 14-0. First play of the game, yeah. get trucked by Zamir White, and you fall into a 14-0 hole. They're actually only plus 13 in the first quarter during this six-game win streak. I mean, the slow starts have been there. Yeah. Florida's a team that, uh, quite frankly, like Florida fans have been kind of, they, they've had these moments where it's in the middle of the second quarter. They're like, all right, yeah, we're going to start. Get going. I, I already yeah. bet on the first half over. So many slow starts, which LSU, I think, would love mm -hmm. in this position. If LSU gets smacked in the face early, just like they did against Bama, forget about yeah. it. It's over. There's no chance LSU's covering this spread, and it's not going to matter if Florida's resting guys in the entire second half. But if it's one of these situations in which you know, LSU is able to kind of hang around, they keep it within a touchdown, going into the second quarter, and they're actually engaged and they feel like playing, yeah. um, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I'm still taking Florida to cover 23 and a half. Wait, because to I win or cover? It's not impossible. I'm saying Florida to cover 23 okay, and a half. Yeah. yeah, I mean... Florida covers... Good. It's Dan Mullen versus Bo Pelini. Like, let's... Yeah, that's, that's not good. That come not on. A, that's not a fun time to be alive. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I, I agree with what you're saying about, you know, being, um, you know, if somebody is, you know, you don't want to, the last thing you want to do is, is have some issue with COVID, injuries, whatever, going into that last game of the season. But they're so close to getting a Heisman Trophy for Kyle Trask. And and I know everyone I know. keeps saying it comes down to the, the, the SEC Championship game. It could. I don't know if that's necessarily true because of the other players that are going to be playing for Bama in and and Florida in the SEC Championship game. So I wonder if you can get this kid six six touchdowns this week. And then six next week, and then you get to 50. Right, but if you can get him six this week and he loses by <laughs> he loses by four the, the following week and he puts up four touchdowns again, which he could easily do. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I, I think... I think they keep trashing. I think. I think. Bottom line, I don't know how they score the points. They do it early and they they do it often, and it's, it's over quickly. Should be a big time sense of urgency for Florida in this game, especially after last year as well with LSU. Auburn six and a half point favorites on the road. Mississippi State. I guessed Auburn would be an eight point favorite. You guessed Auburn would be an eleven point favorite. That line only six and a half. That's scary. Not, not very much. The over-under I have is the word solid is set on the broadcast. I set the over-under at two. That was what Gus Malzahn oh, said about getting to six and four in a normal year, and that it would be a solid season. Um, he has since clarified that comment with some context um, you know, that was provided afterwards. If I were announcing, I'd slip that in a lot. And yeah. so you might you might be wondering to yourself, well, why, why would you put that out there? Like, you know, do you, have, do you have any sort of intel as to whether or not that could happen? Why, yes, I do. Because I reached out to our friends. Tom Hart is, oh, is of course, on the, the call for this one. Yes. Yeah. Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, Cole Kubelik on the call. I may or may not <laughs> have told him to say the word solid more than twice. And, you know, Tom is going to do what Tom's going to do. He does that deal with KSR where he always sneaks in that yeah. word every once for a Kentucky game. So I, I'm just saying, don't be surprised when you when when that over hits yeah, for the he word wore solid. Our, uh, come to the sip shirt to uh, on his trip to the Egg Bowl. Um, True. That's a really good point. Also, did you see real quick South Carolina fans getting mad at them last week for being um, a holes or sarcastic or whatever? It was like about, I guess when they were getting beat and and, uh, and Jordan Rogers made a comment and they were like, Jordan Rogers is the biggest a holes. Like he's not even the biggest a hole on that on that broadcast team. Anyway, yeah, he's, he's probably third. Yeah, he right? was third in my power rankings. Um, yeah, for Cole's sure. number one. Cole's always number no one. No doubt. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this game, that is terrifying about that the the line. I don't understand what that could be about because well, I, go ahead. Road Bo Nicks. Yeah, but it's Mississippi State. And Mississippi State's defense Still. has been good. I tell you what, it would be an incredible, incredible, um, and and just peak twenty twenty moment if if Mississippi State was able to start and finish the year with a huge upset in the game they had no business winning, like or at least we Great, thought yeah. going into it. Um, yeah, what I'm least looking forward to in this game is when it ends. I'm gonna have to pay. Wes Bumbrack or whatever his name is, like a million dollars, because I, I said I'll pay you a million dollars if KJ Costello isn't leading the SEC in passing yards at the end of the season. And he said he kept saying Kyle Trask. I was like, Trask is the best quarterback. He's not going to lead the SEC. I don't have a Did you dollars. say what currency? Was it Shroot Bucks? It's gonna, the Shroot Bucks or Stanley Nichols, you're good. I got I got neither. So he's he's just it's going to have to be an IOU. But regardless, um, I, I think this is like a, a perfect situation for Gus and it's to do what he does, which is like in the season on a high note, the regular season on a high note, get yourself a big convincing win to quiet down the, the you know, the coaching. Have a solid season. Have a solid season. 
But this is like very peak Gus, where he gets himself in a little hot water and then gets one mm-hmm. win to try to like put everything away. Remember what they did at Mississippi State last year? And Chizik told us before the game, he's like, they're yep. about to run all, all over them. And they were up by 28 in the first quarter. That game played at Jordan Hare. Yep. Th- this game being played in Stark Vegas. I, I don't know if Auburn's going to run all over them. I, I Personally, like, if I'm looking long-term at this and I'm trying to keep everything in perspective, Auburn's got four losses here. What are you really playing for? should probably shut down Tank Bigsby. If he's going to be this Heisman, winning trof- Heisman Trophy winning back, as you say he's going to be, which I'm not here to rule that out because he's phenomenal. He's awesome. But he's not quite right yet coming off of that hip injury that he suffered in the Tennessee game. And he's a tough, tough dude. And every time you roll him out there, you know that that guy's going to try and break every single tackle. And he's going to try and break, he's trying to get every single yard that is out there. And he he takes on so much contact. But I wouldn't necessarily bank on Gus doing that. I don't think he's going to do that right. because he wants to be able to have that solid season, of course. But I would still be a little bit more reluctant to want to have him out there, unnecessary carries when he's he's not 100%. He's clearly not 100%. Maybe get him right for the bowl game or something like that. I wouldn't do that. Kevin Steele has no problem dropping eight into coverage. We know, we know that. We saw that last year with 2019 LSU. We brought that game up a million times. I think that's the difference in this one. Auburn has a secondary that has shown signs of vulnerability, but it can capitalize on those mistakes. And I think Will Rogers is capable of making a few mistakes yeah. in this game. I think Auburn, despite Bo Nix, despite the fact that Bo Nix, two months later, two months after Miles Brennan played his last game of the season, Bo Nix still doesn't have as many touchdown That's passes as him. I'm just going to keep bringing up that stat until it's not true. Um, I think despite road Bo Nix, Auburn wins by two scores. Yeah, I agree. I think they went big. That, man, that six. You know what? Like, I'll I'll go I'll be I'll be the the uh, the contrarian here and I'll say maybe maybe Mississippi State is able to do something I'd say you know Will Rogers is like third in the SEC in completion percentage maybe it might even be second um, I mean when all you're throwing is, is checkdowns and swing passes you sound like yeah. every person on Twitter can we just give a compliment out to a team please for the love of God um, he's averaging like five and a half yards per I time. just made a comment that he's doing something well you know what they're gonna lose by forty go on to the next game. <laughs> Georgia's, Georgia's, I'm, I'm going to give you a compliment here. Uh, well, I'm going to give me a compliment as well. Georgia is a 13 and a half point favorite against Mizzou. Ooh, I guess 13 and a half. Right. So pat on the back. Uh, you guessed 14 and a half. So you were then a points. Close. Um, second place, first loser, too. whatever. Yeah. Um, the over-under I have. Times Eli Drinkowitz is praised for the job that he has done oh, a in million. Columbia. I said the over-under at seven. So probably going to hit the yeah. over. So real, real quick, this, like they just got to see him into the top 25 of the playoff. They, they've won five of their last six. I don't expect them to win Amazing. on Saturday, but why are we going to talk about him for coach of the year? We have talked about him for I'm, coach I'm of the year. I'm saying like I, in, I'm perfectly people in okay general because I feel like he, his name should definitely he be He's getting that. He's getting that. I, I, think, I think they could split it. I, I think they could be some sort of – now it depends what happens with Ole Miss down the stretch. If Ole Miss doesn't play another game, yeah. I don't think Lane gets coach of the year. I think that it could be split with Sam Pittman and Eli Drinkowitz. That would be a very SEC-like thing to do. I know, right? But I think they would do that. I still think that Arkansas had a steeper hill to climb than Mizzou coming into this year. I would make that case. Arkansas didn't have a Nick Bolton coming back. Grant Morgan has has emerged as a really good player, but different when you have a player that caliber. You're right. It's amazing. Mizzou being in the top 25, when I saw that, I was like, holy crap. That's cool. 
Who, who would have thought Mizzou. we'd be talking about second week of December in Mizzou after this gauntlet schedule yeah. is going into top 25 team, legit top 25 team, five of the last six games they have won. I mean, and what I like about them too is they have so many different ways in which they can win. Yeah. And that's the thing that, that kind of stands out what is the mark of a good coach. You don't always just need to score 45 points. Think about that Arkansas game last mm-hmm. week compared to the Kentucky game a month yeah. ago. Night and day. Think about, think about the LSU game versus that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Larry Roundtree is having such a big bounce back year. In a 15-day stretch, that guy had 69 carries. Nice. It was. Um, I think we see a lot more Tyler Beatty in the run game as a result okay. of that, uh, just because he is really toe to the rock um, as of late, but he's been so good, and it makes sense. My question for this game, what kind of juice does Georgia have? They might get Richard LeCount back, but I, I question what it's going to look like because you get to deal with an angry Nick Bolton who was suspended yeah. for the second half of that game because of the bogus targeting penalty. But I think you can throw on this Mizzou defense. I think you can. Should be a really nice game for Georgia to actually have someone who can do that. Um, JT Daniels can do that. Big Trey Burton game. Uh, that's my long-winded way of saying I think that Georgia barely covers yeah. and wins this like 31-17, to 17, something like that. So I think the opposite. I think Georgia will not cover because I don't think people give Mizzou enough credit, um, even though we just sang their praises for how We tried. Um, I, I, they're a really good football team. It's an 11 a.m. kick in Como. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be early. Um, Georgia does have a little bit extra rest. I wonder, you talk about, like, the the ways that Mizzou can beat you. Um, I wonder what kind of offense we're going to see from Georgia this week. Because a couple weeks ago we were asking this question about, how, you know, is, is this a problem in the run game? And, you know, they only had eight yards against Mississippi State, and but they threw for 400. Then the next week they run for, like, 350. Like So are we going to see more of a balance? Are we going to – like, what are we going to see from the Georgia offense um, – you know, I guess getting into the last game of the season, because I don't think they're going to play that Vandy game, um, and then getting into a bowl. So I'm going to take Georgia to win. I think it's like a, a like a close game. I think it's, I think it's a close game. I think I think Mizzou covers. It's not a very big spread. Mizzou's really not. good at like Mizzou's good at home in general. They've been really good at home this year. Um, I think last week's the first game they haven't covered, and they won by two, and the line was three. So yeah. I, I think the 11 a 11 a.m. kick. In, in Columbia, Missouri is not That's a hard to get point. up for. That's a good point. Um, another SEC East oh, game. <sighs> Barn burner. This one's going to be great. Tennessee is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite against Vandy. I guess Tennessee minus 10. You guess Tennessee minus 14. You take the win on that one. The over-under I have. Eric Gray touches. I set the over-under at 24. He has had at least 19 touches in his last five games. Mm -hmm. He's actually averaged 24 touches during this six-game losing streak. It's not necessarily a lack of volume for Eric Gray that has been Tennessee's undoing. It's just been Tennessee doing Tennessee things. Yeah, that's very fair. Very, very fair. Um, I I would take the over. I mean, he's he's just quietly hanging around, like, you know, right outside the top five in, in most like statistical categories in the SEC for running backs. He's had a good year by, by you know, all things considered, I guess. But I this I, I kept I said a couple weeks ago that there was like a game I didn't want. There, I had no interest in watching at all. And this one has to be the worst one of the year. Like this is like when they did that early, early bowl projection and they had Vandy, um, Vandy and Kansas playing in a bowl. This is what that's like. Oh, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Oh, God. 
That would be fantastic. Oh my gosh, you get less miles in a meaningless bowl game, Marley. You would bet on. You would, I would bet, bet on, on so it. many different mean, I would things. Watch I it. Do. It would be awful to watch. I, but that's it's, it's like a bad movie. That's Sometimes fair. you just need to put in a bad movie. You need to put in a Hallmark movie and just just appreciate it for what it yeah. is. That's the fun okay. of it. Uh, Eric Gray last year against Vandy, uh, if you recall, 25 carries, 246 yards, three touchdowns, had that 94-yard touchdown run. That was one of those runs that when that happens, people outside of Tennessee start looking at that and going, whoa, this kid's a freshman? Oh, this kid was like three-time Mr. Football in the state of Tennessee? Oh, this kid's really, really good. Um, What does Jeremy Pruitt not want to do also? Give Harrison Bailey chances to throw. Yeah. Again, he's not necessarily masterminding the game plan that falls to Jim Chaney, who's definitely getting fired at season's end. You but think so? Eric Gray, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Remember remember how how excited Tennessee fans were when they got him? Um, yeah. God. Jeremy Pruitt is going to definitely have that. I'm going to try and fire this coach, yeah, that coach, and fair. put the blame on other people type of year going into the offseason. And that way he can kind of spend his offseason talking about, oh, you know, new parts. And that's what a coach yeah. does when he's trying to save his job. I think that happens. If Pruitt does lose this one, if he does, a Shiano-like riot on Rocky Top? See, I don't <sighs> think I don't think so because it, they'll be pissed and he'll be, he'll be gone. Like he, he will lose his job no matter what you say if they lose to Vanderbilt. Like it's, that's absolutely unacceptable. Vault Twitter year. bullies him, bullies Philip Fulmer into firing him. Well, balls are back. Um, so, but like they will absolutely. Well, he should be fired regardless if they lose to an 0-8 Vanderbilt team that has like like four total players left in this like squad from the start of the year. Like, I mean, this would be the most embarrassing loss I think maybe in program history. This would put the Georgia State thing to shame. I don't think it happens, but if they fired him, it would be much deserved. Right? I mean, right after this, he'll get freeze now. If Tennessee loses, do we do an adjustment more game on this? People Absolutely are asking. Not. Oh God. This this has <laughs> a, a big <laughs> this has a big prime number vibe to it. Like somebody's gonna score mm. nine or or like nineteen. I think Tennessee scored nineteen last week, right? Uh yes. Thirty one and nineteen was the final. Uh I could see Tennessee scoring thirty seven in this one. Oh, okay. I like I like the prime number thing. Yep. And Brent Samaglia, their their kicker, opted out, so Tennessee's not even going to be kicking field goals. Jeremy Pruitt, as I tweeted, Jeremy Pruitt can't turn to his kicker on fourth and one on the 19-yard line when his team's down 28 points. What's he going to do? I mean, he better not bring a woman on there. I'll tell you that much. I I I am pissed off, Connor. On that note, (laughs) Alabama, Arkansas. Alabama's a 31 and a half point favorite. I guessed minus 29. You guessed minus 22. Way low on that. Way low. Surprising. Yeah. The over/under that I have. You're combined, way on this. Yeah, combined Devontae Najee touchdowns. I set the over-under at four. Yeah, way over. What are you talking about? I asked that because, remember, the division is already clinched. You win this game. You want to get your starters out there. Think of how badly Nick Saban would get ripped if Devontae Smith went down yeah. in the middle of the third quarter of a game like this where you're up 28, to, 28 points and they could win this game without him. That's fair. Just saying. So that's why I set that number a little bit lower. I want to p- spin this in a positive way for Arkansas yeah. fans. I really do. I-, I have a positive spin for you. Take this to your friends. Take this to you know whoever you're going to see at your holiday parties, whatever. This is your positive spin. This is going to be ugly. You're going to end the regular season on this brutal, brutal note. I think this, yeah, this is their last regular season game, I think, right? It's hard to keep track of all that um, stuff. I don't know. 
Uh, anyway. Yeah. Grant Morgan, questionable at best. He's dealing yeah. with a knee issue. He went out in that Mizzou game. Hopefully he's able to play. Either way, Bama's getting 40. Right. You know that. Bama's getting at least 40. Mac Jones is going off. So is Najee Harris. Arkansas allowed 140 points in the last three games. That's not Connor, that's where's really the good? bad. Where's the yeah. good? Where's the positive? I need to get to the positive, right? The good news. Because they're probably going to average 45 points in their final four mm-hmm. games. The good news. Barry Odom's price isn't soaring like it once was. It's staying at a more reasonable rate. Barry Odom's still going to get a raise yeah. this offseason. But in my opinion, I think Barry Odom has been more a victim of the depth issues at Arkansas, mm-hmm. more so than schematic or anything like that. Because we saw it for the first six games. I mean, through yeah. that Tennessee game, we're like, yeah, Broyles Award. This this guy absolutely needs to be one of the top candidates. So I don't think this is a schematic deal. And I think you're able to keep your defensive coordinator, who at one point looked like he was going to be the cat's meow and everybody was going to want to poach him. Right. I think there's a more realistic chance that Barry Odom stays in Arkansas and they don't have to break the bank to do it. I, I think in this game, there's some positive points for Arkansas. Because I think oh, Felipe Franks and, and that group of receivers, Traylon Burks is one of the most, like, he's one of the best receivers if, in the country. He's not talked about nearly enough. What's up? If Felipe comes back. Right. He's got the rib the rib injury if he's able to play. I think like, Kendall Brown's offense will be able to put up some some numbers, I think, against his Bama defense. Um, especially a week after you're coming off that, that big win um, in, in Baton Rouge. So I, I don't know how focused they're going to be, I guess. Um, yeah, so I think I think there's a lot of positives that could be taken away from this. Listen, I, I don't think that they're going to win by any means, but I think you also have a chance to to end the season on a high note after an incredible year that no one gave you any kind of shot with. If they keep it close for like you know a half and do some things that you know maybe Bama's looking ahead to Florida, I think that's a win in itself. Positive spins. Take all of those positive yep. spins, Arkansas fans. Alabama's going to improve to ten and zero with all wins by fifteen plus. That I believe. Yeah. This will clinch a playoff bid, in my opinion. I've been saying that Alabama will have a playoff spot locked up before it gets to Atlanta. Alabama's goal for this game should be staying healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't usually pick against Bama to cover these massive spreads. I really don't. Right. I very seldom do. Arkansas's best chance to cover, of course, is if Bama pulls those starters early, which I think could happen. I really right. think that could happen. For once, I'm going to actually bank on that. And I'm going to say that Arkansas covers, and Bama ends up winning like 45-17. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that, again, the week after playing LSU and the week before they go play in the SEC championship game, I, I just don't think that they're not – I don't think they're going to be fully focused on Arkansas. They have the talent to still beat them, but Arkansas is also a good football team on, you know, on both sides of the ball. So I think um, – I would take Arkansas to cover as well. I wonder how long – uh, I wonder what kind of day Mac Jones has. If Mac Jones throws an interception, because, again, once again, is going to be uh, compared to, to Kyle Trask, and I'm sure you saw the tweet that was floating around a couple of days ago that was shockingly wrong, that they were comparing Mac Jones' numbers in, like, you know, with similar opponents to Kyle Trask, and the Arkansas game was thrown in there, and he hasn't played Arkansas yet. So I wonder what kind of uproar we're going to see like on social media if he throws an interception, if he did, looks not great. Um, from that standpoint, too. Why has Mac Jones been ducking Arkansas? Good question. No, it's a fair question. Yeah. Got to take it into consideration sure. if we're talking about the Heisman. Got to have a full season here. Lock of the week. Oh, man. We will not, and by we, I mean I. Yeah. I will not jinx another team out of playing a game. I, that is my goal this week. As long as a game is played, 
I'm going to say lock of the week hits. I'm going to say lock of the week hits as long as this game is played. Okay. I'm staying away from Liberty because that was a really mean thing to do by me. Mm-hmm. I, I, is Liberty even playing this weekend? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I will, however, go to the great state of Virginia. Ooh. Virginia is plus two and a half at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is in a bad, bad way right now. We've been hearing murmurs about Justin Fuente since last year. Right. Since last year, when a certain former SEC coach who we like very much had a road game that he called at Virginia Tech and said, eh, I don't know about this Justin Fuente thing. I'm hearing some things. You can piece the dots together yeah. about that one. They've lost four in a row. Virginia has won four in a row. That includes that four-game losing streak. That includes a home loss to a certain Malik Willis. Just throwing that in there. Virginia won the Commonwealth Cup last year. Oh, that was an first incredible time game. Since 2003. Great ago. game. Either way. No, last year. Wasn't it? I think two years was two ago years was ago? like the one that was like incredible. Went down the, like the I think it was Iron Bowl weekend because we were in Tuscaloosa and it was uh, it was a really great finish. Anyway, uh, the only team who has stayed within 20 points against Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, Virginia. Cavaliers continue Virginia Tech's misery. The fire Justin Fuente chants grow louder and louder in Blacksburg. You know, they've had two four-game losing streaks under Fuente. Before that, the last time they had a four-game losing streak was 1992. That's crazy. That's really crazy. Shout out to Shane's dad. $12.5 million buyout. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Don't rule out the Vandy thing. Don't rule it out just yet. Don't rule it out just yet. So, that's my lock of the week. Lock of the week. I'm going through. You know I'm going to only go through the first half lines. I see a couple on here that I like already. I'll tell you what. We're going to go. Tennessee at Vandy is a seven-and-a-half point favorite in the first half. The hook. I, yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean, Vandy has been okay in the first half of games sometimes. Like That, that South Carolina game was interesting because I think it was what, like 13-3 to three or something like that, or 14-3 to three maybe at half. I can't remember. Like South Carolina covered, but it was – close it's like the final minute and then score like 30 on them in the second half i would take that all day and i'll tell you another one and this is going to be the homer in me coming out but i'm going to take you up to corvallis oregon this says oh boy talk about a drizzle a little drizzle of rain in the in the sky um they are a three-point underdog at home to stanford oregon state is not a bad football team they're, they're not a bad football team they're not great they have one of the best running backs in the country that no one talks about. Um, they're, they're not a bad football team. I'm going to take them to win outright against Stanford at home. I don't hate that. Yeah. I don't hate Three that. Three-point underdog at home. Like Stanford's not even good. I like taking the the teams that Vegas hasn't quite up caught up to yet, and there's a lot of historical things yeah. working against them. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, we had a great, great interview with Matt Hayes, talked a lot of different coaching stuff, what in the world is going on with the Big Ten and how it could impact the playoff picture, all of those different things. Matt is fantastic, does so much great work for us as well that you should definitely check out. So here is our interview with Matt Hayes. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Matt Hayes who works for just about everyone now, I think. Um, Matt, of course, <laughs> writes for us on SDS. He writes for our Big Ten site, Saturday Tradition. He does work with Stadium. He hosts a show uh, on 1010 XL in Jacksonville. Matt, Matt, let's start with something that'll be music to Marler's ears, and I'm sure it'll be music to everyone's ears. Is there an analogy that you have to describe just how badly the Big Ten has messed everything up and been sort of the laughing stock of college football? I, don't, I can't even, like, 
I think it all goes back to the whole idea of spring football, which I can't even say without laughing, without even just thinking about that those those gals, the presidents and Kevin Warren, try to sell everybody on spring football, on telling players they're going to play two seasons in nine months. Think about that concept. Players you don't pay, you're going to tell them they've got to play two seasons in nine months. It's just, it just boggled the mind that they were trying to sell. And the best part is, they thought they'd quit, and then everybody would quit with them. And that's just, I mean, it's <laughs> not how it works, man. It's, I mean, think about, let, let's go over this real quick. Let's recap what's happened on the Big Ten, in the Big Ten since the second week of August. They canceled fall football, okay? Then they sold the idea of spring football. Then, 40 days later, and about three days before they said they're going to they're gonna come back, the CFP says, yeah, of course we're playing. Of course it's going to be the same dates. Three days later, magically, the Big Ten decides, oh, um, yeah, the testing and the tracing, all better now. All good. We're going to try and get this done. And then they throw out this concept of a nine-game season with no bye weeks, no off week, and anyone and everyone, I should say, other than the Big Ten officials themselves, looked at it and said, train wreck. And lo and behold, week two, the postponements and the cancellations started coming. And now we're at the point where their best team, one of the reasons why they went back to play football because they wanted Ohio State to get a shot at playing for it all doesn't have enough games to qualify for their championship game. So what do they do? Instead of finding another game for Ohio State or instead of saying we're sticking to our line in the sand, sort of like we didn't stick to our line in the sand when we said we're not going to revisit the decision to cancel fall football, they said, ah, we'll go to five games. You can get in Ohio State. You're good. You're all good. And my whole point now is if these roles are reversed, and you had Indiana five and zero, and they weren't qualified. And they had beat Ohio State, and Ohio State was six and one. Who do you think is getting in that game? Yep, it's Ohio. If it was in the SEC. I mean, God, I'm same fired thing. Up. If there's Alabama, if you're changing it around, it's Alabama. Same thing. You're exactly right. Same thing. So no, Matt, no different. Along those lines, then it begs the question: Who has had more ineffective leadership in 2020, the Big Ten or Tennessee? Oh, the Big Ten, far and away. I mean, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's not good. I mean, that's the only thing you can say about him right now. Just not good. But, I mean, the Big Ten is, I think the Big Ten is less effective than, I mean, just about anything in 2020, which is remarkable considering what's going on in 2020. Sheesh. Yeah, I don't, um, I, I, don't my grandma know, was... I don't know how Kevin, I don't know how Kevin won't survive. I really don't. And I, I know it's not him. I know the presents were a big part. And what happened, and why they stopped playing football, and, and you know, and, and why they decided to return. Um, but you know, as a commissioner, look, Greg Sankey. It's the president that decides in, in the SEC, but Greg Sankey's the guy who steers them in the direction, who says, "This is where we're at. This is what our medical people say, and this is what we, I think we should do." What What has amazed me throughout the entire thing is how could there be medical people all over the country that think different? Yeah. You know, what, you would think that at some point they would have some kind of common denominator of, hey, this thing is going, we're going to get more and more increases in how we deal with protocols, how we deal with testing, how we deal with tracing. You know, let's at least wait a little bit and see what happens before we, you know, cancel a season 40 days before we're supposed to. Yeah, I mean, like, are they not reading the same books? Like, the, the different schools? I'm very confused. Very confused by the doctor part of it. Um, not confused or surprised at all that the Big Ten changes policy. Um, it's the dumbest thing ever. So my, my question is this. Point blank period. 
because I'm very opinionated on this. Does Ohio State deserve to be in or not? Because for me, it's not about how many games. It's the resume and what they've looked like in those games. I will tell you this. I think Indiana is really good. I really do. I yeah. think Indiana is a lot better than people think they are. That's number one. Um, number two, they, they, they were pretty good in that game for about three and a half quarters, three quarters. And then, you know, they let Indiana back in. Um, I, I, I like what they did in that game. I don't like the way Justin was played in that game, and I certainly don't like the way the defense played in that game. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with them uh, down in the playoff if they get to the playoff, but their defense is not that good. And I, I think if they're, if they're the four and Alabama's the one, that might just be an unsightly mess, Alabama, that Alabama offense against their defense. Yeah. Matt, uh, I, I went on your show right before the Tennessee-Georgia game, and you asked me if I believed in Tennessee. I could tell you were not sipping the Kool-Aid at all, and you were right. I think barring something drastic, though, Jeremy Pruitt keeps his job another year because of the man who gave him that now ridiculous extension, Philip Fulmer. What are the odds, though, that you think this thing ends up with Hugh Freeze taking over for Pruitt after next season? Uh, very high. Very high. Mm. Because, I mean, that's, wow. that's, Hugh's, that's Hugh's dream job. We all know that. Um, I... I Hugh wanted the South Carolina job. They were interested. I think they just – I think at the end of the day, South Carolina wanted to go a different area. But I also think it just wasn't the right – it's not the right fit. It's not the right moment, mm-hmm. I think, for Hugh to get back in the SEC. Now, a year from now, when Tennessee is dead, flat, desperate, which is what they will be again, you know, and then and, and Hugh has done another good job that season, next season at Liberty, then you're going to say, all right, yeah, we, we could do that. And, and here – the thing with you is, I don't, I don't. The whole thing about the massages, who cares, man? That's for him and his wife to do it. It's the NCA issues that I would be concerned about if I'm a, if, if I'm a, a university president. And the way you get around that is simple. You just say, you, we're going to hire you, and if there's one sniff of NCA problems, I'm in a secondary sniff. You're fired, and we're not paying you a dime. That's how you get around that. If you agree to that, and then you move forward. So I don't. I mean, I don't care about that stuff. I mean, we're all gonna—we're all definitely gonna joke about it, okay? And I'll be one of the guys that jokes about it. But at the end of the day, I don't care about that personal stuff. That has nothing to do with with how he coaches. Can he win games? Uh, can he bring Tennessee back to where you know they were two decades ago? Because we're going on two decades now, guys. When, when last time this this team was relevant, and that's your Tennessee with that ability to to have that kind of money and that kind of support uh, and to be able to recruit. Being gone for two decades, I mean, you're dangerously close to Nebraska relevant right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I think we could all agree. So I appreciate that. Um, so I, I, my question for you is this: uh, thoughts on Shane Beamer at South Carolina? Is he is he a guy that can? That's I mean, I've just always said that seems like an uphill battle just because of like the, how tough the division is and recruiting that state. But is he a guy that can that can compete for top recruits and division titles with with UGA in Florida? I don't, know, I don't know about division title. I just don't know. Um, the thing is with South Carolina is they really have a lot going for them. I don't know if you guys have seen their facilities and what they've done there in the last three or four years. It's unreal. Unreal. Mm-hmm. They're as good as anybody in the SEC. Now, the problem is you're dealing with the history of what they are. And, you know, other than Spurrier's three straight 11-1 seasons, what is South Carolina? You know, and I, you know, I made a joke, I don't know, a few years ago, and I was before Spurrier got there, when I called him the armpit of the SEC, and that's kind of what they are, man. I mean, it's 
it's unfortunate, but that's what they are. I think they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. I think they're trying to do the same thing Clemson did with Dabble, where you get a young guy who can recruit. You can clearly recruit um, a young guy that players love, that's going to build a staff um, that can go recruit. You know, and, and, you know, we say that. Muschamp had a staff that could recruit, and he recruited pretty well. But the idea is then what happens when you get on the field? Can you develop those guys? Can you execute at the most important spot? And I just cannot get over it. And believe me, I love Muschamp. He's a good dude. He's done everything right at both those jobs he was at except for the one key thing. Could not develop a quarterback. So if Beamer can get a quarterback and develop a quarterback, um, and put that team in a position where they can start winning games that matter on the field, I think they can win eight or nine games. But winning a division, I don't know, man. As long as Kirby's still there, yeah. as long as Mullen's still there, I don't know how long Mullen's going to be for. He might be in the NFL in a year or two years. But as long as you've got those two programs, he's chasing those two programs, and if Tennessee figures it out somehow, I mean, South Carolina is chasing an uphill battle I mean, forever, forever. Let's say we can do the Matt Hayes coaching firm. Um, the, the, the coaching search firms that, that universities spend so much money on, I, I think people pl- that are plugged in in the industry could probably do it for a fraction of the price. I think you're one of those people. I think so, a place like Vandy, very unique job, understanding the circumstances, understanding that uh, $4 million, probably what they're going to end up paying a head coach. It'd be surprising if they were paying more. So if I said to you, Matt, you got your coaching search firm I'll give you the $4 million to be able to go out and hire whoever you want that's realistic. Who are you going right. out and getting for Vandy? Uh, I'm either going Munkin or Nia Matalolo. Because, I mean, at mm. this point with Vandy, you've you got to be different. you just got to be different, man. I mean, you are you got to look at this thing seriously. You are who you are. It's hard to get guys into that school, all right? It's hard to even get players. Even if you could get them into school, it's hard to get them into school. You're in a high school stadium. It's hard to get players there, man. So I, I think until they start really seriously committing to, we're going to upgrade this facility. It's going to be a really nice place when we're done with it in a couple of years. We're going to get a great football facility that's as good as anybody in the SEC. We're going to have some great practice facilities. Until they start doing that, I mean, I, I don't know what they expect. What do you expect? I, I think what Derek Mason did winning five or six games a couple times, they should be doing backflips over that comp- Concerning what they have there, um, and, and how hard it is to get dudes there, so I, I would I would get one of the, one of the two service academy coaches. I think they're both terrific coaches, both Monk and Andy Amatololo. I, I don't know that either would do it because that's a that's a heavy lift, man. That's a heavier lift than at the service academy because, of course, you're in the SEC. Um, but I would completely change the way I do things. I wouldn't try and oh yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this great quarterback. I'm gonna find a great three or four star guy. And, Convincing the company, well, I'm going to get a guy in the portal. Forget that, man. Run the triple option. Run the triple option and force every SEC defense to prepare at least for a month in the other season and a week or two in the regular season to look at to realize they got to deal with those cut blocks every single play. they got to deal with the triple option every single play. That's not easy, man. I mean, Paul Johnson did it at Georgia Tech, and again, you could say, well, it's the ACC. It's not the SEC. But that's, it's all comparable when you start talking about Georgia Tech dealing with the ACC. He did it, and he won the league. Heck, he beat an SEC team in the Orange Bowl. He beat Dan Mullen in the Orange Bowl. So <laughs> I think they should change. I think they should change everything they do. Seriously. 
I think there are a lot of people wondering about Steve Sarkeesian right now. Uh, and it, it's fascinating because I could see this thing going in a variety of ways. I, I think he could get a power five opportunity that he feels is worth it. And he could leave Alabama or he can stay, get paid a ton of money and sink his teeth into the Bryce Young experiment, which we know is important to him. And then there's the whole coach and waiting thing, which makes a lot more sense for an offensive minded guy like Sark in this day and age. Where would you bet your money on seeing this thing play out? Like, what what path do you think Sark ultimately takes? I think if it's a job that just is just too much to say no to, like if Texas fires Tom Herman, they can't who they get who they want. They say, "Let's go get Sark." You can't turn down Texas, mm-hmm. man. You just can't. You know, or if Stan Malone leaves for the NFL and Florida decides they want to hire Sark, you can't say no. But other other say, save a huge job, a huge program defining job. I mean, a professional defining job. I think you stay there, man. I, like I don't, you don't go for South Carolina. You don't go for. Um, I wouldn't even go for Tennessee. I, I would just say, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna keep winning championships here. At some point, this is gonna say, all right, I'm gonna go retire on Lake Lanier and sit in my boat and cut down bushes like he does. He loves to do. Um, and then you just, you know, you, you take your shot at following Nick, which is not gonna be easy. It's definitely not gonna be easy, man. But you take your shot at it and, and see what happens. I mean, that's that's what I would do. I would assume that he, since he had he had offers last year and didn't go. That he's waiting for the perfect job. And I would guess that if I'm Sarkeesian and I'm coaching the NFL, um, I'm either waiting for an NFL job or I'm waiting for one of the top four or five uh, college jobs because he's had one of the top four or five college jobs at USC when he lost it. So I think he's waiting for the job. I will say he will have the full support of the fan base there, and they're a very logical um, bunch that I think will be very calm and patient with him <laughs> after the Saban thing, which will be good. Right. Um, okay. Right. Get him out now. All right, so the Heisman, I've been saying this for, for a while now. It feels a lot like 1994 to me, like where they're just like, from what I remember, I was like eight, but there was like seven finalists for whatever reason. They had like Warren Sapp and, and then Steve McNair. I feel like that's right. what, especially in 2020, we should do. Um, and if I, you know, if I had to pick finalists like Trask, Devontae Smith, Najee, Mack, Pitts, Brees Hall, like all that stuff, who who are you picking as your finalist for the Heisman? Who do you think should win? Uh, I, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna come down to the SEC championship game. Like whatever team wins is that's the quarterback's gonna win it. Um, I mean, I you you can look at what Mac Jones has done. It's so funny because. You know, we all thought that, that Bryce Young was going to be the guy at that quarterback spot. He was going to eventually take over. I was saying that. I, I had heard from, you know, numerous people that it was going to be like that. And all Mac has done is just continue to play well, continue to get better, and now he's put together what will end up being, if he continues to play the way he's played, he's going to have the greatest single season for a quarterback in Alabama history. And he's two games or three games shy of anyone else who did what they did. It's amazing what he's done. And he's also doing it, and they lost their best receiver four games into the season. Yep. So, I mean, he, he's, he's really, really, really played well. And I think it's really one of the underlooked stories in all of college football. But, but once you get to that SEC championship game, it's an 8 p.m. kick. You're going to have number one against number five. It's a, basically a de facto uh, quarterfinal. Winner gets into the playoff. Winner wins the championship, gets to the playoff, gets the highs and trophy. I think everybody's going to see what he plays and they're going to go, wow, this dude, this dude can ball. Can we uh, can we talk about Urban Meyer for a second here? Because I, no. I feel like his name, <laughs> I feel like his name 
is always going to be popular this time of year until he definitively says that he's not getting back into coaching. Some, some believe that he's destined to come back for a bigger job, of course, and you, know, you hear about the Texas stuff. But I, I've been saying since he left Ohio State that I think his days as a big-time Power 5 coach are done and that I think he'll, he might do something in coaching, but it'll be totally unique. It'll be maybe a little bit Spurrier-esque where he, he does something that's totally random, offbeat, random pro thing. What's your sense on on his future and what you ultimately think he'll do uh, in the coaching profession? I think Herb loves people talking about Herb. That's number one. <laughs> no, Herb's got a, Herb, Herb's, Herb's got an ego, man. He absolutely. I mean, they all coaches do, okay? But his ego is another level ego. So I, I think that's number one. Let's go with that foundation. Herb loves people talking about Herb. Um, and I mean, honestly, he's a great coach. Say whatever you think about him and how he ran two programs in the ground, ran one in the ground, and was on the verge of running another one after they you know, basically told him, hey, you, you know, you're leaving, which is, I still say that's what happened. That They told him during that big meeting, look, we're going to let you say you're going to, you know, you're going to still be the coach, but by the end of the season, you're going to say, ah, I don't feel well, I'm going to quit again. Because I think that's what happened. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, he's a great coach. He's a great coach. He's a guy who makes you think differently about football, makes players think differently about the way they play it, about the way they prepare for it, about the way they think about it. Um, believe me, I've been saying on my radio show for months now that if the Jags were smart, they would hire him because he's unlike anything they've ever had. And he, he thinks differently about football, and that's what teams need. That's why it's so quick when he gets the team. That's why it changes so quickly. It also helps, honestly, that he's had good quarterbacks everywhere he went. He had Josh Harris at, at uh, Bowling Green. He had Alex Smith at Utah. He had Chris Leak at Florida. And he had Braxton Miller at Ohio State. Those are the quarterback situations he walked into. That's a pretty good group. Wow. But I'm not diminishing what he did. He's a terrific coach. He's one of the top three coaches, I think, in the last 25, 30, 40 years. Just an unbelievable coach. Now, what happens to him? I'm with you. I don't think he coaches in college football anymore. I just don't. I, I think he, if he wanted to, I think he would have taken the Texas job. So I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think his next gig, if he coaches, would be the NFL. I'll tell you what though, he's he's really really good on TV, really good. He's I mean he's next level good. So I could see him doing that, just getting paid three or four million a year to be that kind of guy, to be the guy who just breaks down the games every week. He's really good at it, man. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Speaking of your Jacksonville Jaguars, your local Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Jags are likely going to have the number two pick. Let's assume that Trevor Lawrence is off the board at number one overall to the Jets, assuming there's no Eli Manning, John Elway, funny business. And I give you the choice, Justin Fields, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, maybe Trey Lance as well. Who would be your guy if that number two spot is there for the Jags, assuming they're taking a quarterback? Well, first I'm going to give you a great anecdote. So I'm I'm working. So we're kind of like rehabbing a house, okay? Where I'm working and I'm listening to the game. And the Jags are driving to tie the game less than like a minute 30 to go. They're driving to, to score and then got to kick a two point version to tie the game. And I'm listening to the radio broadcast. And again, the radio broadcast, these guys are in the room. They're not at the game because you're not allowed to be at the game for road games, okay? So these guys are all in the room together. So the analyst is next to the play by play guy. He's next to the field guy, the field analyst, okay? So when he says, let's go down to Rick Ballou, who's the field analyst here, let's go down to Rick Ballou and this has got something for us. This is like a minute and 30 to go in the game, guys. This is, they're driving. They can tie the game. They've lost 10 straight. You, know, you should be thinking, holy crap, they're going to break this, this, they're break this losing streak. 
Let's go to Rick Blue. Rick says, the Jets are getting ready to lose. <laughs> right out of his mouth. The Jets are getting ready to lose. <laughs> the city of Jacksonville. But um, that's, uh, I mean, that's where the city is right now. Seriously. They're, they're, they're desperate for something at quarterback to change what has been, you know, 20, 20 years of just terrible. And I, and I you also know what I would do? The problem is what I would do, you, you've got to take it through the lens of you cannot miss on this pick. You can't. Because if you do, you're going you're gonna to be compared to the guy who missed on all those other top five, top seven picks that did nothing for the franchise, and especially at this position. So I, I don't think you can take a chance on Zach Wilson, who I think might end up being a better player than, than Justin Fields. But I think you almost have to pick Justin Fields and if he doesn't make it three or four years down the road, you say, look, man, everybody thought he was the second guy. What am I supposed to do, right? So I, I think you got to do that. Or you get lucky and the Jets somehow stumble into the win and you get a guy who's, you know, the, the best prospect since John Elway. I was going to about Mac Jones. <laughs> hey, Jackson, I hey, from Jacksonville. I, I, think, I think Mac Jones stays. I don't think he goes in the NFL. Yeah, he's not Ooh, a first round I, I can see that. I, I think he stays at Alabama. Be very awkward with back uh, with Bryce Jones, or yeah, I mean that that would not Bryce be the Jones. best look. The Bryce Jones, my bad. Yeah, but that, that, Bryce would not be happy about that. There's no doubt about that. But I think I think yeah. there's going to be guys you think are going to leave that won't leave. I think Derek King stays, um, and I would not be shocked in the least if Ian Book stays. Ian Book's not an NFL quarterback. Come on. Yeah. No, that's true. He has that's true. ten quarterback wins. He's probably. I mean, he's what? He's a third or fourth round pick, maybe, maybe, at best. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I guess you can go if you don't want to be in school anymore. You certainly can go. Yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see too how this plays out with this year of eligibility and you know not counting and guys can theoretically come back without you know you have seniors that would have normally exhausted their eligibility and they can come back. Uh, Tennessee fans can welcome Jared Garantano back with open oh, arms, and uh, <laughs> life is life's going to be great. Uh, but yes, we're going to have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, with you moving forward. Uh, Matt, this has been great. We're going to have to have you back on probably to maybe make sense of the bowl picture or something because I'm guessing, like we did a few months ago when we're trying to make sense of what's going on with spring football and all that crap, we're going to need some 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 expert to be able to decipher, all right, what do these bowl games actually mean, all the tie-ins, stuff like that. So I'm sure that we'll be talking again real soon. By the way, what, one more thing about spring football. Have you heard anything about it? Have you heard any, any conference, any team is going to be playing spring football? The Ivy League, nothing. The FCS schools that are not playing the Big Sky Conference, nothing. Nothing. And they tried to sell spring football. Just, just remember that. That's all. I mean, the, XF, the XFL is playing spring football yeah, in I 2022. Think... So, I mean, Pretty sure Christine right. Brennan and uh, Wolken are starting a league. So there's that. So we got that going for us, right? <laughs> That's right. Matt, this has been awesome. Uh, we'll talk again real soon, man. All right, boys. My pleasure. Appreciate it. All right. Fourth and wrong. We've got a lot of questions. Yeah. 19 questions. Um, we're not going to answer all those 19 questions, but thank you if you sent us a question. Saturday Down South Podcast group on Facebook. Appreciate everybody who sent us in any questions at any time. Let's start with Trey Beckton. This is a good one. What is the one thing your wife slash fiance, so this pertains to both of us, has been planning for y'all, just waiting for football to end, 
and you're just trying to figure out a way to get out of it. Oh, to get out of it? Yes. I didn't read the second half of that because I was going to say, I was going to, like, not really breaking news after my, my tweet this morning, but um, first off, Allie loves football, so she is not, like, she doesn't, like, look forward to the end of the season, and her workload is crazy right now as well. But we are going to get a puppy. I'm actually looking really forward to that because it's going to be awesome, and we're going to we're getting another Corgi, and we're going to name him Chips. Um, oh, Chips is a Corgi? I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, that should be fun. Um, what's the one thing? That we're like get away out of it. Um, I, I guess honestly, probably planning another wedding if we end up doing that because it's been yeah. fun to do three times and start over again. I don't That's know. Fair. You you go. Um, mainly, I mean, I, I actually, I mean, I like doing house stuff. Mm-hmm. We we're not in one of those gut job sort of houses or anything like that. But there's just always different house stuff going on. My my Sundays now consist of house stuff. Once we yeah. finish doing podcast stuff, once I finish doing all SDS stuff, that's pretty much from like like three o'clock on for the rest of the day, unless there's breaking news with a coach right. getting fired or something like that, which has happened like the last three weeks. Um, that's what my Sundays are, are reserved for. So it's probably just more of that. And it's not necessarily that I'm looking to get out of anything. It's just that I know that my Saturdays are going to be full of that moving forward. Right. Again, I, I, I like being able to do that stuff. It's just shifting that day and knowing that that day is going to come on Saturdays and our Saturdays yeah. are just very, very different than what they look like right now. I used to hate that growing up because like my dad would always like make us do like yard work all day on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And so like Sundays in the season, I would just pray for rain and Saturdays at the end of the year, I was like, oh, this sucks. We're back at it. Yeah, I don't really have anything that we're planning that, that I'm not looking forward to. Um, so yeah, that, that's a good question though. We're gonna uh, a, a couch says, the day after the day after the national championship. That's not like a thing a I'm not looking forward to. Uh, new couch, new couch, new sectional oh, nice. to go to go in our main room. That's there coming January 12th. So that's like once once the season ends, we have a few more projects that we'll be doing around yeah. here and getting getting a couch kind of completes completes the space, completes the room. We're gonna have the TV mounted on the other side of the wall and all that stuff as yeah, well. Get yeah. a TV in the office here. Gonna loosely copy your office setup. To a Ooh, extent, but, I need a new yeah. office setup. Um, okay, Michael Potter asks, rank the airlines best to worst. Um, this is easy. And, like, well, I don't know who's best. I mean, I, I guess I'll say Delta. but I think on, Delta's the best. Air France, if you've ever traveled internationally, Air France is unreal. Like, every TV, or every every seat has a TV and the headrest in front of you. It, like, I mean, this is like I was flying from, like, like uh, from Greece to back home. And it was awesome. It was all I flew Delta out there and I hated it. They had like this like the TVs like they came down from like the ceiling like in the walkways or whatever. It was it was awful. Um but yeah, Air France is really really good. The worst is not even close. It's Spirit. Spirit is I have no idea how Spirit is still in business. Spirit is like they're like Captain D's of the air. Like you see them and you're like, "Oh yeah, I know that that's not good for me and nothing's going to bring like nothing's going to come from that but pain and anguish." Yep. But you still somehow are in business. How is this happening? Spirit is gas station sushi. Is gas station sushi? Yeah, that's what it is. You, you, you're like, hey, I've got. I know I, I shouldn't do this, but I'm still going to do it anyways. And then you give yourself food poisoning. And you're like, why did I do that? And then you still end up going back to it at that one random time when you're super desperate. Spirit is the worst. Are you saying like you mean grocery store sushi? Like I do that with no, 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 no. I won't. I will not slander grocery store sushi because our our Publix has fantastic sushi that like my wife and I get all the time. It's delicious. It's really, really good, and it's very fresh. And they have a deal on Tuesdays that they do with it. But gas station sushi, no, no, shouldn't be doing that. Um, Other good airlines, Emirates. 
you talk about international flights. We did Emirates coming back from our honeymoon, oh, yeah. coming back from Greece. Holy cow. That yeah. is, you talk about an experience. Emirates Next is level. incredible. I've always liked Southwest as well. I like that you yeah. can kind of, I like that you can pick your seat. I didn't know you could that. do that the first time I was yeah. flying. And mm-hmm. uh, that was a fun uh, question to ask because I, I was like standing in line. I was like, I'm, I, don't, I don't have a seat number yet. And they're like, is this your first time? I was like, no, I've flown before. No, I'm no <laughs> idiot. Like, like everyone, everyone was standing in line. So anyway, I didn't see the giant numbers. All right, you're up. Peace. I used to also do that Frontier flight coming back from Atlanta last year when I had so many of those trips, Atlanta yeah. from like, I think it would usually be 11 o'clock on Sundays, that 11 back o'clock flight back to Orlando that I would yeah. always do Frontier. Frontier is fine if you're just doing an hour and a half flight or something like that, right. but wouldn't recommend it for anything much longer than that. Okay, good question though. Wes Banderas wants to know, what is the best workout and why is it deadlifts? Well, let me tell you, bro. Um... Ask our friend Alyssa Lang, big deadlift yep. fan, deadlift and donuts. I love deadlifts and I miss deadlifts. I really do. I can't do deadlifts in the current setup that that we have. Sick brag, got the garage to be able to work out in, do yep. some stuff. Deadlifts, not one of them, not one of them. And there's just something about being able to lift something very, very heavy in a one time, like, hey, I'm just gonna do three reps and I can just lift all that weight over there, that just empowers you in a way that few things can. But I also miss doing heavy squats, and that's something that I can't do. The workouts have since shifted. If you're just at home, I mean, the best workout is push-ups. Push-ups yeah, is still sure. gonna take the cake every single time. Um, but I've gotten a lot more into running lately as well. So oh, nice. people hate running, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the worst, I don't even think the worst is deadlifts. I just have always said, like, I don't really, like since I don't play sports anymore, it's like yeah, I'm not gonna go out of my way to do deadlifts. Um, but yeah, people love it uh, for sure. I, the worst is burpees. It's like the best, but it's the worst. It, it's like a great, great workout, but my god, are they awful! Um, I'm not convinced burpees actually produce results. I'm convinced okay. they just torture people. That's all they That's do. That's fair. Very fair. Um, yeah, the worst I think. Like the sit down bike, I've never understood that. I mean, like I'm lazy, but like. Man, a sit-down bike. Like, what are you doing? I, yeah, I don't get that. I mean, and I will say, I just I'll sound bougie, um, and like that woman from the commercials that we all hated yeah. last year. But I love the Peloton. The Peloton's awesome. Yeah, if you can live that life, you yeah, know, it's like very sixty blessed. bucks a month. Yeah, but how much did you pay up front for it? None. It's it it well, we paid for it in full, but like it, otherwise, it would have financed for sixty-eight bucks a month. That's it. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. the same as a gym Not membership. Too. You pay 68 bucks at your gym? No, I mean, like, there's some gyms. Like, we live in Atlanta, Connor, so there's, like, bougie gyms that, like, you either get class pass or it's, like, you know, like, the forum where Will works out, they used to be, like, $200 a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Will works out there, our producer, so. Um, okay, my turn? Yeah. Let's see here. Where the hell did the Facebook thing go? I've lost it. Oh, no. It's happening. It is okay. happening. Go. You get another one. Go. Michael Dark wants to know, what's the furthest you would drive for a restaurant slash food? That's a good question. When I was in high school, this is gonna sound terrible. This is gonna sound terrible. This, this is aged horribly. It's, it's not a thing I'm particularly proud of. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school and we would watch TV, it, it always seemed like when I was watching baseball during the summer, we would always see commercials for Sonic. Oh we yeah. Did not, we did not have Sonic in our area. I love all. this right now. That was a big time, oh my gosh, look at those tater tots. They look yeah. like chili cheese. It looks incredible. How do they the have mozzarella sticks? 
Yeah, how do they have these huge drinks? They have mozzarella sticks at a fast food place. Oh my gosh, I wish they had anything like this near us. I think we drove an hour to, to a town called Bartlett once we found out that they had a Sonic. And that was a, a big deal back in the day. I think I might have been like a senior in high school, freshman in college or something like that. I think that's the first, no, I take that back. I've driven an hour and a half to Portillo's in Orlando. What's Portillo's? Portillo's is a Chicago, it's, is a Chicago mainstay, Italian beef sandwiches. They've got uh, hot dogs, big time, big time local yeah. Chicago place, but they have, um, they have a few restaurants in Florida. So I, I've yeah. driven about an hour and a half to be able to go to one of those. Um, so I, I mean, like, first of all, I love the Sonic thing. Cause I'm not making this up like no more than three months ago. Like, like for some time, for some reason during quarantine, there was like only five brands of commercials that were on. And Sonic was one of them, like over and mm-hmm. over and over again. So I was like, I, I was like, I, I really want to go to Sonic. And I was like, that's disgusting. I was like, it's it's not, it's fine. But like, the butter burger looks pretty good. It looks all right, you know. It, I mean, I'm sure it's terrible for you, but I, I was like, <laughs> the tater tots, like the like the chili cheese dog, all that kind of stuff. So I went looking for Sonic, and instead of just putting it in the GPS, I was like, I'm pretty sure I know where one is. I'm just gonna drive. I drove around for like an hour and a half, and I and I pulled up near the Brave Stadium because I was convinced there was one up there because like I used to work near there, and there wasn't. And so I finally looked at my phone. I was like, you know, like whatever. Like I, like I guess like I've, I've messed this up. Where's the closest one? It was twelve and a half miles away, on the other side of town. Um, like not too far from our house, but by that point I was over it. But I'm I'm all on board for that. Driving a far away for food, I'm sure I have. Like we went to Houston's in. Uh, we drove like an hour and 15 minutes to the Houston's when we were down there in Miami for the Orange Bowl. But I will say it's not driving far away, but I remember in college on spring break being so hungover and miserable on the last day when we were coming home and knowing how much money was in my bank account and knowing I was about to overdraft. And I still did uh, so I could have Whataburger. So I had like a wow. $44 experience at Whataburger that was like eight bucks plus the overdraft fee. And I was like, worth it. I don't know. Is that... Was yeah, it? I was, I was in college and like it, it didn't matter at all. It's just like, all right. yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. The food was great. Okay, let's see. Oh, there's there's some really good ones. Really uh, good hold ones. on, I got one. Wes Taylor says, at what point should a sports analyst be fired for being wrong? So, um, Danilovsky? Yeah, I mean, like, it, I, I wonder, I think, I'm, I've been wrong a lot this year. I've noticed, though, and I've said this before, People don't like to give you credit for when you're right about stuff, hardly ever, because that's just how society works now. So um, maybe they should be fired after you publicly acknowledge any time they're right. How about that? That's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Like for, for well, every one thing they're wrong about, say say two things that they actually got right, and then you can fire them. One of the things that people that aren't in this business kind of misunderstand is they think that we're supposed to predict the future. Yeah, that's weird. And and it's not. Otherwise, we'd be, you know, we'd be sharks in Vegas. Yeah. You know? We'd be doing that life. And our, our job is to break down what we think will happen and then to be able to analyze why it happened and be able to make some sort of sense of it. Uh, you now, know, this season, too, real quick, to piggyback on that, like, it's 2020. I, I just don't – and, like, what always cracks me up about this, too, is because if you lose if – you, if you miss something bad, like, it's a bad look, obviously – but the fan base that you, like the team you missed it for, of course, since they're obviously diehard fans of that team, they all knew. They all knew it was going to be, like, and so, like, you're the idiot. It's just, it cracks me up. 
Now, it's it's different if you're an analyst and you keep doubling down on something. Like, mm-hmm. let's just say you think Carson Wentz is the greatest quarterback in the history of life, and that's the take you keep double downing, double down, double down, downing go. on. Yeah, there it. we go. Um, then I'd say, you know, maybe a certain Dan Orlovsky should probably stop doing that. I, I'm right. just saying. But I think the worst type of sports analyst and the one that should be fired is the one that can't admit that they're wrong. They're repeatedly just out of touch. They have factual mistakes. That's the biggest thing that gets under my skin is when you're presenting information, you're making an argument, and you're just using incorrect facts. And you're yeah. just using stuff that's just wildly inaccurate. That, that's what I can't stand. Or if you're you- presenting an argument that's so ridiculously slanted that you can't even take it seriously. Did you see, like, like this is something I've struggled with a lot in this job is I got this job for being entertaining, and I love college football, and I love sports, and I love doing those deep dives into stats, and I, I enjoy it. I truly do. But, like, it gets so tiring because no matter like, – you could say something – like, you could bring up stats that are, are positive for one person, and for whatever reason nowadays on Twitter or social media in general, people can't see something. It's like, I like this. Like, the response isn't, oh, you like that? It's, it's instead, oh, then why do you hate this? You know, it's like always mm. like it can't, it can't be both like it can't be like mutually exclusive for whatever reason. So one of my favorite moments of I, honestly the entire year, uh, the other day I, I do a, I did a deep dive on the Heisman stats between Mac, Najee, and Devontae, and I was gonna do the ones for Florida later that afternoon. I just hadn't done them yet. I posted them to Twitter, um, and a Florida fan got mad, cussed me out for it being like biased, and I was like, it's not I'm not comparing Trask, and he said, this is a lazy take. Sent me the tweet of the uh, comparison, the side-by-side. And I was like, that's not accurate. He goes, well, I stole it from someone else, so I didn't know. And I just sure. went back and I, I screenshot it and I was like, that was a lazy take. I stole this from someone else, it's not my fault. I'm like, this this website is incredible. It's just incredible. That's, that's the world in which I just, we live in. Yeah, try to just be objective, everyone. Let's end on this one. This one's, gonna, this one's teed up for winning and boozing. Troy Davis wants to know, what is the most or best uh, effective source of alcohol for him to be able to forget that this LSU season ever happened. Tread lightly here. I mean, to forget. Um, honestly, you should. Uh, you, I mean, it's gonna be straight from the bottle, and, and, and like you guys deserve to punish yourselves. So it's like, don't get like a bottle of bourbon or a bottle of Jack. Like, go get like a flavored Bacardi, and just put that in your body for an extended period of time, or like Goldschlager. Like something with like, that's like minty or like orange or whatever. It just because you know you don't deserve nice things right now. That's what I would say. I remember one time I got, uh, I was like going through a breakup in college and my buddy showed up with a, he had Dragonberry um, Bacardi and got me a bottle of Tawaka and I drank two thirds of it. And that, that's how you forget something. That is how you forget something. Yeah. What, what's the, the old phrase? You can't have uh, two things hurting at once. If you, oh, if you get to that point where your body is, is hurt so much, from you know a night of whatever you're going to be there consuming, you then you know can't be hurt by LSU anymore. So it's true. just a thought. Thank you for everybody who has submitted questions. We have a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in the works for the next week or so. Going to be doing something cool, a little bit different. Still finalizing all the details with that, but be on the lookout for all of our SEC championship coverage. We're going to need yeah. your help with some of that stuff. Really, really exciting. We're going to have announcements on that over the weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, we still have football in middle of December. All right. Yeah. I know games are getting canceled. I know we're getting into fights on Twitter about playoff stuff, but that's okay. That's okay. This is what we wanted. 
and at least we have it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna appreciate that despite the fact that the slate this weekend's not very good. We're just gonna sit back and we're gonna enjoy it for what it is. Is that okay? Go. Yeah. You tell me, Connor. You can play more about the, the games than anyone. Like, <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. All right, Coach O, Matt Luke, Jeremy Pruitt. What do we need to remember? Connor, you know, it's, it's, it'll be a good game. It's an SEC game. It's on the road. A lot of a lot of young men. Better go out there and prove it. It might it might mean too much. Talk to you soon.